Hello, everybody. J.D. here, which means you are listening to Ring the Bell Radio. A wrestling podcast. Joining me here is our liaison to the British crown, the British Empire, the queen herself, Logan. Ahoy, ahoy, my loyal fans, which most of them probably just jump shit because of the intro. My God, man, I thought you were literally going to get up and go to the toilet or something. You know, you sounded like Bones from Star Trek there for a minute. I'm a, God, man. I'm a DJ host on the pet podcast. Not a, not a, a doc. No, he goes, I'm a doctor. Not a I'm a doctor, Jim. Not a DJ host podcast person. Yeah, I did it the wrong way the first time. But no, that, man, but that lecherous, that, that lecherous sounding man is Logan. He already yeah. said his hello. The rabbi. What's up, Rabbi? What's going on, man? You're what's going on. I say that all the time. Always. Rabbi Barris. United States World United States World Tour. Yeah, that really made a lot of sense. The United there, States um, Tour. Um your country has the World Series. We're not even gonna get into that now. Yeah. Um <laughs> if he wanted it to be the world intercontinental tag team tour, he could. Yeah. And people um, would still go. Before I ask you something there, Rabbi, um, for all you new listeners, and we know there's new listeners, ringthebellradio.com. Go there and listen to our library of shows. What are you doing, Logan? Trying to wake up. Are you trying to wake up? Yeah, from your, like, I literally was falling asleep in your massive gap there. You know I do that just to drive you nuts. Yeah. But, um. You know, when I hit you in the head with a hammer, it's because you drove me nuts. <laughs> Everybody so anyway, heard it here first. I'm claiming insanity. <laughs> Ringaballradio.com. Listen to us there or on your favorite podcasting platforms. And, of course, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you can find us on. Um, if you'd like to send us an old-fashioned email, yes, old-fashioned email, ringaballradio at gmail.com. All right, guys, I got a surprise for you. Not everyone shout at once. Well, I, I don't know about is the surprise you're going to do the intro without messing it up. We already did the intro. <laughs> okay, so, Logan, read between the lines, Logan. You see yeah. what I'm holding up here? Okay, yeah, um, who's, who's no. sleeping now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, no, I don't even listen to the intro bit anymore. I'm like, he's going to screw it up. At the end, there'll be a long pause, and then I can wake up. No. I, I, well, you got to admit the length of time between the actual title of the show and your subtitle of the show gets ridiculously longer each week. We are literally going to have listeners be like, oh, oh, the podcast must be down. Oh, I'll just go listen to something else. There's going to be then- one show where the whole show is nothing but the intro. Gonna be it's gonna be forty five minutes of the pause, and then I'm gonna go a wrestling <laughs> podcast. Well, we we say goodbye everybody, but anyway. Well, I did. We we have a we have a guest on the line. Okay. 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 So he is, he is, it, is not it un- sweet preserves. No, it's not sweet preserves. Nah. We still haven't heard got an email back from your Damn number it. one fan yet. Okay. So he's really not, not really not. He he's not a stranger to the program. He was on a number of years ago. 
Um, his name is Don Warner, formerly known as Sir Reginald Royce. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, good, good. Uh, nice, nice to nice to have you on the show, buddy. So, Don, you you you're a retired pro- professional wrestler, correct? That's correct. I retired about ten years ago, finally. Ten years ago, and you wrestled for. Let me see if I remember this. Lan- Lancaster Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Okay, I wrestled means- for like maybe about a dozen different organizations. The latest one was Lancaster Championship Wrestling. Yes. Okay, um, I'm going to bring up something real quick from the past. Um, Barris is actually a good friend of Joseph von Schmidt. Do you remember that name, Don? Oh, he's one of the excellent independent wrestlers of the time. Yes, and uh, And, there was probably... And a beautiful man, a great friend of mine. He's he's just a sweetheart all the way around the block. You know, there was something quick that um, I just want to bring up down memory lane real quick is uh, we had him on the show years ago and i guess we're breaking kayfabe here logan oh, oh no my dreams um, are being crushed yeah <laughs> and we had this little i don't want to say skit what's the word i'm looking for guys not a skit but we had a i guess we we worked the audience you had to work we That's had to work cool. okay yeah and joseph von schmidt came on the show and we became really good friends and he came up with this idea, and he's just like, hey, why don't we do something where we, um, you know, act like we're really mad at each other? So we do it, and he told me about Don, which his uh, uh, ring name was Sir Reginald Royce, where there would be many times where Joseph said he was coming on, and next thing you know, we get the call, and it's Sir Reginald Royce. It calls up and starts yelling at us and telling us how much, how horrible we are. I mean, it was great. But we worked this. This went on for about a month, three weeks to a month, and we did this so good that the fans bought it. Our audience bought it. And I know this sounds like we're tricking our audience, but this was so long ago. To where... I, yeah, go ahead, Don. I, I remember that fairly well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I remember that fairly well, that whole series of conversations and phone calls. And <laughs> that was, in simple terms, that was utterly fantastic. It was. It was. But the, the great thing was is we had fans that were chatting with us regularly. And I think there was one show that we 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 acted like we called him all the way in Germany, and I had people emailing me and messaging me, going, "How much did that phone call cost?" And <laughs> yeah, and I and I made up a number, and I went, "It cost me eighty three dollars to, to to talk to him for eight minutes on the show." You know, <laughs> oh my god, you know, and we we were having a moment again, and all of a sudden, oh, we got Joseph Von Schmidt on the phone, and here's. And here's Reginald Royce. Hail von Schmidt. Joseph von Schmidt, you know, is, is, doesn't, he's, I'm here to talk to you because you don't deserve audience with him again. And, and yeah. we, but, but I'm getting back to where is we, we, <laughs> I don't want to say fooled the audience, but we did. We fooled the audience so good that there was a number of people that stopped talking to me. <laughs> stopped talking to us <laughs> because they were so mad that we worked. You hear, you hear wrestlers talk of being able to connect with someone 
where you can look at the the other wrestler, you know what he's thinking, you know what he's going to say, you know what he's going to do. That was the kind of relationship Joseph and I had. We When we stepped in the ring, I knew what he was going to do before he did it. He knew what I was going to do before I did it. And we just followed, clicked off of each other so quick, so well, that sometimes, I, you know, when the match was over, I'd look at each other and go, like, wow, did we just do that? It's like, yeah. How can we top that? And we would. <laughs> right. You know, there's just certain guys that you click with that. And there's been other people you get in the ring with and you can't get out of each other's way. I mean, anything you manage to do ready to step in the ring and step out of the ring, the rest of the time it's a disaster. But with Joseph and I, we meld right, right from the get-go. And that's why we stayed together for so long. Uh, we meld, we meld, we blended. It was just absolutely incredible. Now, now, it's, that's one of the high highlights of, of my career was actually working with Joseph. Um, let me ask you this. Where did your character come from that you wrestled as? Was it something that you made up? Was it something personal to you? Or was it just something that was given to you? Or how did that happen? Okay, how I came up with the character. When I first got involved in wrestling about 1986, 87, around in there, I went to a pro wrestling school. It was in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were no longer in business, obviously. And I really wasn't sure about what I wanted to do. All that is I wanted to try wrestling. It looked like fun, have a good time. So I remember seeing a poster on a wall, like in a, in a, heart, a store. And it was a guy with his foot on a Rolls Royce holding a glass of champagne that says poverty sucks. And I'm like, I like that image. Arrogant, smart aleck image. I just picked up on that. Hmm. And lo and behold, I, you know, I had actually had knee-high riding boots that I wore. Uh, you know, the white tights, the black coat, the Russell shirt. Just like a, a horse rider would have if he was going to go fox hunting. You know, mm-hmm. People with the riding crop. And at various times, I would change the color scheme. I'd have maybe blue tights with a light blue shirt. Uh, or red or white. It, yeah, it was depending on what was going on on that particular angle at that particular time. But that whole image was like a creation of wrestling. Wrestling needed someone of a managerial state who could also wrestle because not too many managers wrestle. Well, I did both, and that made it practical for me to do both. And that's how that whole character which came about. Now, what what did you enjoy more, wrestling or managing? They both had their downfalls and they both had their high points. Okay, I mean, okay. I I enjoyed doing both. I I enjoyed doing both. Um, it's I could be more creative when I was the manager. Uh, I could be more creative with it, but when I wrestled. I had to limit so much of what I w- would do because 
yes, I was supposed to be in it as a as the wrestler, but I couldn't get exuberant. I couldn't do all the high flying stuff because it wouldn't look right for me to do those kind of things. So I still had to maintain the characterization. You know, I had to do the cheap shots. I could do some elaborate maneuvers, but it's I couldn't do it in the real high flying stuff. You know, like the double somersaults and that kind of carrying on. Mm-hmm. Was that was I mean, that was that more of a because that's more of a baby face kind of move set doing flashy big moves like that, and right. you know the heels were just stuck doing the brawler kind of bad you know moves. I don't want to say bad moves, but you know the kind of brawler fight moves in the ring instead. Right. Yeah. It's and and I I had more fun. You know. I had a great time while I was wrestling, and I had a great time while I was managing it. And sometimes, you know, I, w- I managed to do both even the same show. And it was good, and it worked. You know, it's... Would I prefer one over the other? Uh, like I said, I had more creative control when I worked as a manager. Mm. More creative control of where a match went, of what was going to happen in the match. And that, that's because of the nature of my of my characterization. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did with it, I had a lot of fun doing it. And, and yes, I do have I did have a couple of broken bones, etc. And so on, like 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 everybody gets, you know, in the wrestling business. That that that's gonna kind of jump into my second question here, which okay. which was I think I like to throw all of our wrestling guests. Um, what's the worst injury you ever had in the ring? Hmm. Let's see. I had my finger broken. Uh, I've had a gazillion bruises. Uh, I would say the worst thing ever happened to me which kind of scared me was uh, I was wrestling the late Neil Superior. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had he had me on the top rope. Now, Neil was a big, tall guy. He was a big, muscular guy. He was standing on the middle rope, and he did the suplex off the top rope. Bang. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I hit the mat, it kind of stunned me. I mean, it actually dazed me. Wow. Uh, it knocked me loopy for a little bit. I, I will admit, because I can remember getting out of the ring. It's like, where am I? Uh, I knew where I was at, but my cognitive was out for about maybe five minutes or so. Uh, yeah, that that. Didn't really scare me, but it it got my attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Neil outweighed me by, like, say, maybe at the time, maybe a hundred pounds. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And because then I was weighing like maybe one hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Neil was a big guy, and when we hit the mat, we hit hard, and he bounced on top of me, and I'm like. Holy shit, where am I going? Where am I going? Uh, that was the only scary injury that I had. So they turned around to you. Let's just jump back to, to, to the time frame where you're in. And they turned around to you one day and said, okay, we don't want you to do both roles. You get to pick one. You're going to be a manager from now on or you're going to be a wrestler from now on. What one would you pick out of those two, knowing what you know now later on in the future? I would take the manager. Like I said, I had more creative control over the match. There's nothing to do with saying, you know, maybe thinking later on in life, oh, you know, what kind of injuries have I done to my body? 
Um, because oh. we get a lot of that. We get a lot of wrestlers turn around and say, you know, if I, if I would have known now, yeah, it was great fun, but you know, I can't move my arm and now I can't move my legs, so on and so forth. Yeah. But well, is this yeah. more fit for you? Is, is it more strictly a just, you know, you would have had, um, more of a, a directional path with the company then managing, you know, what yeah. matches going so on. Yeah, I, I would have, I had more, that's why I say creative control. I, direction would be more appropriate word. Uh, I had more direction with the way the matches went uh, and, and some creative control. Uh, now you got to realize that when I managed, I was one of those physical managers. I was the one that would jump in the ring real quick or jump up on the ring or get knocked off the ring or, mm-hmm. you know, get bounced down or, you know, I took just as many bumps sometimes what the wrestlers did. <laughs> right. Now, did 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 you get to pick who you wanted to get to manage? Because you were talking about that you you had more creative control, or did that come down from like say the bookers the, or the the main office, so to speak? Uh, actually, that came with experience. You know, when I first started it, I I basically said, "You tell me what you want me to do, and I'd do it." And then I got more experience and more progressive. Then I was given more and more creative control. One organization that I worked for, I walked in, they go, you got car blocks to do whatever you want to do. I was like, okie dokie, that works. And as long as I was there, I controlled everything that I was involved in. A a good manager has to be more than a mouth. Anybody can shoot their mouth off. A good manager has to portray a characterization as a manager. A good manager has to be able to follow what's going on inside the ring if they are involved in the match. There's too many managers walk out, wave the rod in the air, the wrestler takes off, they stand by the ring post, and they're nothing more than a fifth ring post. I was an active manager. I got involved in the ring as if it, my life, you know, as my next dinner meal depended on what my champion did inside the ring. Yeah, and you know what, you know? though? There was, there was a show, uh, what was it, about a month ago, Barris? I think, or, uh, we, we actually did a show. It was a two-parter show. And, you know, and this is just going off of what you were just saying, Don, how you would pick that you would, you'd rather be a manager is where are the managers today, really? But if you even look at the different promotions, TNA or TNA, Impact, uh, AEW, WWE, that's not something you see anymore. You know why you know, we phased them out? Well, no, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it, your, your thoughts on my, that. My opinion why I phased them out is because their whole format changed. Their whole format changed to hype and no, not wrestling. And a good manager was part of the wrestling. A good manager could speak for those that can't speak. And now they coach those guys so much in the house to shoot their mouth off and hype that they don't need a manager. Right. They, they phased out the whole image. Well, that's just like, okay, um, Logan's uh, favorite uh, wrestler was The Undertaker. Now, okay. and this this has to go with the management. You know, Paul Bear was the mouthpiece mm-hmm. for The Undertaker. Do you think The Undertaker at, at the beginning, when he came in, had the time for himself, do you think that character would have worked? No. If, yeah, you know, and that gets into my thing where, like what you were just saying is, the managers were the mouthpiece. Like, you don't have character. Like, what, I, I mean, I might be just repeating what you just said is they changed the product. You're right. They, mm-hmm. 
it just doesn't work now. And I mean, I would love to see it go back. See, I'm old school when it comes to wrestling. You know, I don't care about the pomp and circumstance. I don't care about, oh, someone takes 10 minutes to come down to the ring because they're in a low rider that's bouncing up and down or, or whatever. Do I think it looks cool? Yes. But Logan and Barris and, and then there's tons of other people that'll hear me say the same thing. Oh my gosh, just get to the ring and wrestle already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's where I'm wishing it would go a little back to the format where I'm like, this person would be great. I think, I think Logan mentioned someone, this person would be great if they had a mouthpiece for him. They didn't need to talk. And I'm just wishing they would bring that back more, but I don't, is yeah. it going to happen? Probably not. Managers established what I would like to consider a base, a foundation for the wrestling organization. If you knew you had a manager, two or three managers, and say five organizations, they established household names. They established storylines. They established uh, gimmicks, per se. Whereas you got wrestlers just jumping back and forth. They're, They're not really establishing anything for the company. You know, when you, when you say a manager, that stuff is a, a, a base, a foundation, for lack of a better term. Right. You know, that was one thing about managers. Uh, on occasion, I remember when you, now I'm going back when with the WWWF days. Okay. On occasion, the managers would actually go to the Spectrum or the Baltimore Civic Center or the arena or... Uh, the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. On occasion, they would actually show up to those, and you would see them, and the people would cheer them or boom or whatever. Because they established a, a foundation for the wrestling. You know, I mean, because wrestlers back in the old days came and went. You spent right. six, seven months in one organization, then you went to another organization. That was the territories. Yeah, they, they bounced yes. around. Yeah. And the only thing that stayed the same was the manager. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's just like and, what you're saying. You know, they set the foundation in, okay, let, let me take uh, Bobby Heenan, the brain, for an example. Uh-huh. He, he, he could walk out there. Now, who was someone from the Heenan family? The Barbarian. Let's, okay. He walks out there with the Barbarian or Haku or whatever. Uh-huh. He doesn't have to say a word. All he has to do is turn and look at that crowd, and that mm-hmm. crowd will get riled up and eat him up alive for the rest of the time he's out there, just because he turned and looked at him. Yeah, and, and, and that was another thing, okay? I'm going to give you a hypothetical scenario here. Uh-huh. You get two wrestlers walking out to the ring. You don't know which one's face or which one's heel. Now, the wrestler that walks out with the manager you know he's going to be the heel. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you're supposed to boo. And that was another thing. Now, towards the end there, the the bad guys were getting more cheers than the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I took my son with me to a couple of wrestling shows that I was working in. And after the show, he looked at me and said, Dad, you're right. The fans... Loves to hate you. And I go, my job is done. Well, you, you did it right. See, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. 
Okay. I know. How do I say this? I know it's, you know, and I never take anything away from the athleticism of the wrestlers at all. Mm -hmm. But I always knew, hey, these guys know what they're doing. Yes, they actually get hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's one of those where I've always said, you know, you, you could use the term Mark or just super fan. I know, you know, as a kid, when I was a kid, it was different. You actually believed The Undertaker stood in the graveyard all day built you know making coffins but even today in my you know in adulthood i always look at whatever wrestling i'm watching whether it's going to an independent show watching wwe aew and and the other guys know i've said this a million times where i mark out to it because for those couple of hours i want to escape reality i want to believe your sir reginald royce character i want to believe what your character is i want to believe I, I, I want to, I hate this guy so much. I want to boo him like Von Schmidt. Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy coming out dressed up as, is, is, is a surfer dude or, or, or a BMX biker. Hey, I want to believe that's what his life is. Bob, even though, I, I, you know, I've got to say, I've got to cut in there real quick. I know what I'm getting you for your birthday now. I want, I want to believe X-Files poster. I want to believe. No, but it, it was, yeah. it was going, it was going with what Don said is, is if, if, if you were able to get him to cheer you or like what Don, you know, what he was just saying is he's got him to boo him to the point where, you know, they had to have extra security. You know, he did his job and that, that's, that's what I want to believe for those few hours I'm watching a wrestling show. Yeah. You know, and you I know. Wrestling back in the 80s, 90s was an escape from the everyday mundane world. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was an escape for the average, it was an escape for the people to get away from the from the mundane everyday world, from the aggravation, from the madness of work, home, etc., so on and so forth. And, and you know what, and that's, that's another thing, because we talked about this on a past show, you know, just... And in our opinion, how wrestling is just like on a downward trend right now, just in keeping oh, I can't interest. Stand to watch it. I yeah. tried to watch it. And Thank you I, very about, much. About two minutes of it, I had to turn it off. You know, because to me, there's it's it it's hitting too close to home. There's a little too much reality in it now. You know, I like that character based wrestling. I was just like, dude, I don't care. What, what did you say, Logan? When, when one of the um, uh, Owens, it was he's with his family and he has to do this and he has oh, to do um, that. Kevin Owens. Yeah, like, that's I fine. Care. That's real nice, Kevin. But I don't care about your family. But, I just want to see you beat Roman Reigns <laughs> up. Yeah, but but no, it comes down to where the, the, and this is where the reality comes into in a little too much. Where when I see that, I'm just seeing oh, he's a dad. He's not a wrestler. I want you know, I don't want to see someone real life behind the curtain real life i was just like dude if you're supposed to come out as a swat team cop everything that i want to see about you has to do with you're in a police station or in a police car somewhere yeah yeah exactly. that makes sense gotta stick to to that that independent character yeah uh, you know kevin owens was supposed to be this knockout street fighter brawler kind of guy that's why it was ko kevin owens he knocked yeah. you out and now it's like, oh, my, my baby girl's growing up really fast. And my wife mm-hmm. is such a good person. And I'm like, 
That's great, Kevin. I'm cool. happy you have a great home life. Now go kick Roman Reigns' ass. You know, it's just like it took so much away from the, what he was marketed as, this street brawler kind of guy, you know, just made it all disappear. There, there yeah. were some exceptions to that rule. Okay. Uh, there was a guy down in the old, what used to be world-class championship wrestling that Von Erich's had down in uh, Dallas, Texas. We had a guy that came out and said, my big, fat, uh, toothless, hag wife, she loves me dearly. And it was it played right in with the characterization. And yeah. that was great. You know, and he said, I can't believe it might have been Black Bart. I could have been wrong. He's like, yeah, my my fat, ugly, fuck tooth, you know, toothless wife with the beard. And it was like, that was fine. That would work great. You know? <laughs> yeah. There were, other, there were a couple other cases where the family situation blended in with, with the gimmick that they were, or the angle that they were working on. And that was wonderful. You know, like the, like the whole Von Eric family clan thing. That worked. But today, when you're talking, when you're supposed to be a big, rough, tough guy, and you come home, and, and there's a opera on the, on the stereo, and the wife's cooking a big, elegant dinner, you know, with candlelights and whole nine yards, I'm like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be a nasty dirt boy, but you're coming home to this? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny you say the Von Erics as well. Um, cause I was thinking about, we, we had, we had one of the Von Erics on uh, a couple of shows ago and back in January. Yeah. No, January, January. January. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lance, Lance Von Eric, mm-hmm. nice guy, really nice guy. Um, see our backlog of shows. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plug for you. There's a plug right there. And I was thinking about, wrestling families especially ones that were portrayed on screen as wrestling families as well and yeah thinking back on it i never thought that you know brett the hitman heart you know was anything but you know a dude from a wrestling family and that worked for his character he didn't have to be larger than life kayfabe exactly yeah, it worked for him, and I didn't know who the Hart Foundation were. I didn't know who um, the Hart family were at the time. It wasn't until later years that I, you know, X, Y, and Z was related to him, or you know, JD will one day turn around and say, "See that guy in the back row, fourth line? Yeah, he's related to Bret Hart." You know, just some <laughs> random fact somewhere about it. Okay, but um, yeah, it's I. I that worked. He came from a wrestling family and it worked with the Von Erics as well. They were a wrestling family. There was no other gimmick that needed that. But you get, right. I think, I think what a lot of the problem is, is because they came from that family, they have that stricter, more pledge to wrestling than the guys that you get coming sometimes on the outside who, you know, oh yeah, this is supposed to be your brother. Well, blatantly it isn't. Guy looks mm-hmm. nothing like him. They don't act like each other, you know, so on and so forth. You can tell it's not a real family. Whereas right. Brett and everyone played it perfectly as it was. And I'd never once ever thought any different because of him. It didn't take away from his kayfabe, his character, nothing. Just <laughs> was perfect. And, and, and that's one of the problems with today's wrestling wrestlers. They're not characters. Yeah, they're, they're not, them, the characters of themselves. Yeah, that's what I don't like. Yeah, they're not characters. 
There's nothing colorful. They all look alike. You know, if you lined up 10 women wrestlers, you could switch their names around and it wouldn't make a difference because they all look alike. Well, you know, let, me, let me ask you this. Is, is you, I've, I've called wrestling very bland nowadays. Like, there's yeah. no actual wrestling. There's, there's no story being told anymore, whether it be... Um, exactly. You know, I mean, Jim Powers said this once, that, you know, I think it was Tito Santana and the Barbarian or something wrestling once, and all they kept doing the whole match, it was like a 15-minute match, is where Tito just kept going back to this one headlock, and he was telling a story through this one move the whole time. But, uh-huh. but, but where I was going with this is, do you think... Like you said, they're all kind of the same now. Is it's it's because of the way they're being trained down at that performance center? Okay, they're being trained the the Vince McMahon way, and everyone's being trained the trained the same, which is okay. But do you think that now, back in the day when you had the territories, you had this wrestler was trained over here, over there, over there, and over here? You have ten different wrestlers that were trained by ten different people. In theory, you would have ten different styles, right? Not really, because the style is basically no. the same no matter, no matter where you go. If okay. you wrestled in Florida, you could go to Seattle, and it should be the same stuff, the same moves, the same uh, moves, the same move after move. A headlock, a headlock, a headlock. Yeah, headlock, no, headlock, I get headlock. that. Yeah, but what's different is the territories brought characterizations. When we had independence, you're jumping in here and there with this organization. You had characters. You had images. They don't have that today. Yeah. You know, and images was was part of the characterization when you stepped in the ring. You know, if your character was a piece of a, if your gimmick or image was out of a piece of uh, asparagus, you better look like a piece of asparagus. (laughs) You better lack, act like one. If your gimmick was out of a plucked chicken, you better act like a plucked chicken. They don't do that today. See, yeah. I mean, I want to see, you know, I want to see the honky-tonk mans, the Greg Valentines, the the Rabbi Barrises. You know, uh, I I, want to see those different. You're right. You don't have that anymore. And that's one of the things that made wrestling fun. It goes back to where it's, it's set for that couple of hours. You escaped reality, and you were living mm-hmm. in that world. You exactly. Know. I want to see that English man get knocked on the sandy perpendicular. Oh, I want thanks. to see that. <laughs> I want, you know, but you, you get my point. You know, I yeah, want yeah. to see that. I want to see that uh, hillbilly hit get bounced on on the derriere. I want to. Yeah. See, I want to see the the redneck biker take a whooping. I want to see you know, the the beach bum. Ride the surfboard. You get the idea. I I'm, I want to say thank you very much to Don for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you for imparting your uh, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience. It is always great to um, you know hear from somebody who's actually been in the ring, actually has been in the business. So I want to thank you again for uh, taking your time to pop on by and uh, take your time to talk to us. Well, I thank you very much. You know, for having me on this, this has been a trip down memory lane for me. I guarantee it. And I, the masterpiece of professional wrestling, so Reginald has said it. Henceforth, it must be true. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again, Dom. <laughs> and I thank you. Oh, 
tonight. And there you heard it. That was Don Warner, formerly known as Sir Reginald Royce. It was great to have him on. It was indeed. Thank you, Don, once again. Hope we have you back again sometime soon. Yep. Um, I think, Barris, we don't have time this week for your spiritual advice. So uh, next week, I think, huh? Okay. Yep. Got to gotta leave him wanting more. So yeah, leave yeah, him yeah. Wanting more this week. So we'll we'll do that. And um, I'm not even going to tell you this that I might have a big surprise, another big surprise down the road for Ooh. you guys. Ooh. But that's all I, I've said too much already. No. And like I again, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, social media platforms. So. There's nothing else, gang. It's time for us to get out of here. To our lovely audience, we must leave you until this time next week. For Logan. <laughs> Rabbi Barris. Yep, yep. And I'm JV. You've been listening to Ring the Bell Radio. We'll see you next time.